Hey guys. Hey guys. Here we are back after our technical difficulties of the last episode. I tell you, that was the strangest, most bizarre thing ever. We don't know. Maybe someday it'll be released. Let's just say it's probably God speaking. Maybe you're not ready for it, guys. Right. Very well could be because <laughs> it's too I, deep. I tried to upload it several times and it just wasn't times. happening. So, but we are bringing you today a special Father's Day edition. We don't want to leave out the fathers. No, happy did Father's do a, Day. Do a Mother's Day one. So, except we don't have anybody to interview. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, except here's our sad story. We don't have a dad <laughs> to be here to talk to you guys. But you know, we'll just we're gonna wing it for you today. We are. Gonna so we'll wing talk it. about our experience. We are. We're going to talk about our experiences, how we feel, and talk about the one and only Father that we all really need Yeah, is God. And don't get me wrong, I place a very high importance on father figures. And oh, I say yeah. father figures in somebody's life. And in this day and age where divorce is, what, 70, 80%, fathers are running off on their kids. Yep. Let's just be on. And, and don't get me wrong, dads out there. I know there are mothers that run out on their children, too. But for the majority, it tends to be the father that leaves the family. It is. And always not by choice. There's a divorce or, you know, something happens, which, I mean, is what Kendall and I are the product of. Uh, However, I do think that one, and Candace Owens agrees, uh, she says that one of the biggest things facing our community, I mean, our society is a fatherless generation. Oh, yeah. And for Kendall and I, I don't think we're the fatherless generation. I think it's actually the generation after us. My my daughter being one, our niece, niece yeah. another. I mean, it's we don't have a single <laughs> father in this family, which sounds terrible. It does, but I mean, and it having fathers in the family is very important. They're they are supposed to be the headship of the family. They are the ones who are supposed to lead their family through Christ and lead their household and be there to protect their family. And there's just a lot of times where And not just physically protect, but spiritually protect. Yes. God placed Adam. Yep. As the head, I mean, it says in there, we have certain roles. And I think, especially with the roles of um, now that, I mean, divorce started being prevalent, 60s, 70s, divorce started becoming more and more of a way to, for women, which, you know, I'm, I would like to say I'm a classic feminist. So it was empowering for women to get out of bad marriages. Um, I'm not saying I'm against divorce. I think in some situations are true. You have women, children being battered, things like that. I don't think that necessarily that means a woman has to stay married. But I think now, too, it's also gone to the extreme. It's even families don't want to, like, solve a problem. They're like, oh, well, I'm done. Right. Like, everybody is so easily. It's an easy fix. And to be honest, that. When you think about it, that means that your relationship isn't rooted in Christ. Because if your relationship is rooted in Christ, you're willing to fight for it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, God knows. But even what we've been through through our lives is we know that marriage is a it's hard work. It's not easy. It's, it's a job. Not, I mean, you have to choose. Job. You have to choose to love your spouse every day. You may not like them mm-hmm. sometimes, but you have to choose, and you have to choose to fight battles. I think one of the things too that we can very much see that maybe people are they're turning a blind eye because it's not necessarily one hundred percent prevalent, but I think a lot of our societal and cultural issues right now you could probably root back to father absence. Oh yeah. I mean. I just had recently read this book by uh, Donald Miller called Father Fiction, and he says, and this book's 12 years old, and he says, or 13 years old, actually, and he talks about how this a, a staggering statistic that he found out while he was writing that book was 85% of prison inmates were grew up in a fatherless home. 
That's 13 years ago. Yeah. I mean, staggering. You could probably say that the majority of men, maybe even women in prison, grew up in a fatherless home. So let's kind of take it to, because Kendall and I grew up in the era of TJF. Thank God it's Friday, if anybody remembers (laughs) that, where we grew up, I think, too, fatherhood sometimes gets this kind of idealistic sort of a thing where you get in your head, this is how fathership should be, where, you know, we have Danny Tanner. Yeah. We have Carl Winslow from Family Matters. We have, I mean, who else did we watch? We even had the show Step by Step. We had, I mean, we had all these sitcoms that kind of came out geared towards family issues, but the father managed to solve all the problems in 30 minutes. Right. And it was always (laughs) to an issue of, you know. Something really drastic. Yeah. And the children always were like, you know what, dad? It's firm, but fair. Right. I mean, it was always just, so we were growing up in a fatherless home. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe not everybody's family was like that. I think it leads to this kind of ideal of what a father should be. So that's what we grew up with, thinking, oh, that's what a father should be, which not necessarily it shouldn't be. They, you know, but I don't think necessarily all the time it was realistic. Oh, definitely not. It's like um, how people feel about Disney movies and romance. Like that's not, mm-hmm. that's not always how that happens. But I do like, too, the things that we watched as kids was um, – like with Full House, it dealt with a motherless home, but then right. you had surrogate fathers coming in. So you learned how a father figure doesn't necessarily have to be your biological father, right. which I think is really important. You had step-by-step step where it was a stepmom and a stepdad. You um, Take it back to the Brady Bunch, y'all. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. the 60s, and it was a blended home. Yeah. So blended families are huge now, and I think that presents a whole different set of stuff that you have to deal with of bringing somebody into your home, and you, know, you already have children. I think it's a... Kimball and I had blended families, and it wasn't necessarily the best. It really wasn't. It wasn't really good. Which is why when I started dating, when Riley was, what, nine years old, I mean, I waited a long time because I came from such a bad experience with a stepfather that I was like, you know, you're responsible for who you put in your children's lives. I think he turned out okay. He's all right. I mean, we're married. You're getting married. So, I mean, he's okay. Roll. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's all right now. Um, But that's a big thing for parents. And sometimes I think, too, you get in the way of, I think, making that parental choice as a mother of your children. Sometimes moms aren't always thinking about the kids. They're thinking about, I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to be, you know, some sort of spinster when I'm 40 years old. Because you think about it, your children, that's what God says in the Bible. I mean, you get married, you cling to your husband, your children are going to leave. I mean, your husband's who you're left with. So I think a lot of women maybe get in their head and they don't always bring in the best men. And I think that's rough for a lot of single moms, which same thing with, and that's one of the things that Donald Miller says in this book is he says, you know, women in general, he goes, he's, he, when he visited a prison, he said, yeah, there were a lot in there without, you know, a, a father that grew, you know, grew up with them and taught them how to be a man. But then also women can derail you. So it's all about, and I think why the book spoke to me, but didn't speak to me because he's talking to men. And I think father absence for girls and boys are very different. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, for us as girls growing up, I think the father is supposed to tell you kind of he's demonstrates how you should be treated and what you deserve. Right. And I think for men, it's there. Your father is supposed to be there to show you how to treat a woman and how to take care of your family. Right. And so that's rough. And I think that's why a lot of girls get into, I mean, if you grow up in a home where your father's abusive or your father is, you know, I mean, not that great, not how leading the godly life that God intended for us. That's why a lot of women put up with that is because... They think it's okay. They think it's normal because that's what they see. So for me, I don't, I mean, I don't know. We never grew up. I mean, we had a rough 
stepdad, but I don't necessarily think it turned me off from anything. I mean, Riley's dad was not a prize <laughs> for sure. So I think I struggled with that as a, at a very young age because I was very young when I had her. Oh, it, it, it turned me off of a lot of things but having it, him in our life. Yeah. And it, I mean, it took me a good, you know, I was almost in my 30s before I was like, okay, I mean, I'll give it a shot. But then it also took a lot of inward reflection on like what are you willing to put up with and because i'm and i say that about women bringing men into their lives because they're afraid to be alone i i mean i understand that feeling because i was in that feeling well and i can say from you know our experience and everything growing up is that i would have rather had mom be a single mom than live with what we lived with Mm -hmm. and not i mean not trying to make mom or anybody feel bad for their decisions and things like that. But when I think back to it, those eight or nine years or whatever it was, I would have rather just been us and mom. Mm -hmm. Don't know what that would have looked like, but. And I think that's where a lot of women get tripped up too. I mean, when this is, I mean, we're looking at the rising cost of living and I think Mm -hmm. women, it's, it's scary out there. I mean, I was that if I didn't have mom when I had had Riley, I don't know what I would have done. Well, I'm not to say too that. The financial aspect of feeling better like oh you know i can maybe provide for my children the way i want to with a second income i think a lot of moms are put in that position well i mean look mom had two jobs just to have us in an apartment and for us to have rent and to be fed back in the 80s and 90s so i couldn't imagine and now now. it's funny it's just me and rj here now and i still am like i look at around people i'm like i don't know how single income families do it especially with kids we don't even have kids that we have to deal with and we still would not be able to afford living where you know not that no. we live in a mansion i'll tell you that you would have to have you would have to have a husband your wife would have to be working just to pay for daycare alone and that was me when i was a young single mother i mean i lived with mom yeah but i literally worked to pay for daycare yep. it just it's so i i mean i and i don't begrudge any woman her choice when she gets you know when she's thinking about that i don't want anybody to think i'm placing judgment i i literally when it comes to single moms i have been in every position that you have been in it's it's definitely not and i know it's a hard decision and it took and i like i say it took me nearly 10 years before i would even consider getting involved with anybody and there's not to say that there aren't great step parents out there and there are great stepdads who come into you know a single mom's life with kids Mm -hmm. and he just becomes like the best thing that's ever happened to them which is great but that's where it goes with you have to you really just got to focus on god and like let him pick Mm -hmm. and guide the man that you're going to bring into your life and your your children's lives like that making that choice solely on what god says is probably the most important thing that brings me into the surrogate father i think there are some amazing men out there and if anything that anybody hears from this if any fathers are listening would-be fathers potential fathers stepfathers anything just men in general if you have the ability and you feel the calling to just if there's a kid in your life that is almost reaching out and you feel kind of compelled by god to say sometimes sometimes it's not necessarily like an intense, well, I have to adopt this child now. It's not necessarily that. I mean, teachers are surrogate fathers. You know, men at church are surrogate fathers. Family friends, it's just more, because Kendall and I talked about, one of the things I think that the big issue is, is acceptance. That's the biggest downfall, I think, of the human race. I think that's why we have, I mean, look at us on social media right now. Everybody's on social media looking for acceptance. Right. You wouldn't be flashing your life all over Facebook, all over Instagram. Here's my wonderful life. Here's what I did today. You want validation. And I think that's 
one of the issues is um, that's what kids are looking for in their father is acceptance. And that's why we talk about when when we talked about the prodigal son, like God waiting for you. I think a lot of people get in their heads of I can't I can't turn to God because I'm so far deep that there's no way. They think that he's not going to accept them. And then I think, and I know especially for me as a child, you'll you'll have feelings where you feel rejected. Mm. You feel, I mean, I had that constant. Well, I mean, constantly. But I mean, as growing up, that's what I felt. My dad moved away, you know, halfway across the country when I was six years old. So for the majority of my life, my dad was not involved. I mean, he's involved in the sense that I went and saw him over the summer. But in my day-to-day life, my dad was not involved. And so for me, it kind of felt like a rejection. Like, I wasn't worth enough for you to come back home to be with me. It was you found something better out there. So there's a lot of, and I think a lot of kids feel that when it comes to, and you feel the rejection. Well, I'll let Kendall speak a little bit too, because I know you had to have felt a rejection in a sense growing up without a father. I think for me, I didn't feel much of a a rejection until I started to learn more and more about my dad's story. Mm -hmm. And the more truth I found out about that is when I really started to feel rejected. So thinking back to as a kid growing up, you know, with our stepdad, it wasn't a huge rejection. But when, you know, learning about him being an alcoholic and how he chose liquor You know, he chose to continue drinking over me and how he um, mom gave him the opportunity to watch me to kind of hold hopefully turn his life around for me, for him to bring me back home and say he couldn't do it because he was afraid he was going to hurt me. That was it was a rejection, but it was also protection at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was protection from God so that I wouldn't get hurt. But it was a rejection from my dad who chose to continue drinking a substance over his own child. Something other than being a good father. So that was, you know, the older that you got with that, that was a little bit difficult to get through and understand, really. And it took me, because Kendall and I wanted to more talk about Father's Day in the sense that I don't necessarily believe all people think of God as, like, he's a father. He's your father figure. So if you're lacking that, you always, you're never without a father. I mean, even if your earthly father isn't here, you still have a father. And when I was reading this book and talking about, you know, Donald Miller talking about how he was being fathered by God, it's when I was reading it, it is hard because I think when you're growing up, you're not able to really understand as a child that you're being fathered by God. It takes a very firm root and a lot of maturity to understand that. Oh, absolutely. So because when you're being fathered by God, that's not something tangible. Like it's not like Kendall and I discussed this. God's not showing up at your baseball games and cheering you on. He's not showing up at my first drama performance. Right. Giving you a hug. Giving you a hug when you need it. Giving you advice, like, where you can hear him speaking to you. Mm -hmm. So we talked about that, too. I said, I talk to God, you know, all the time, especially when I need guidance for something. But then I struggle constantly with, is that me or is that... God telling me to do this, or is it me reaffirming? It's it's hard, and we totally understand that. So it takes a lot of maturity and a lot of time for people to understand that that's what's happening. And I mean, it could just be to me, to me too, of encouraging maybe if you are that single mom or single dad, encouraging that you're being parented by someone other than your earthly parents. Well, and it wasn't, I mean, like I told you, it's just been the last couple of years that I really, really started to understand that God is my father. 
And for me, when I told Kendall, I said, I felt almost the opposite of that. I've always felt from the time that, I mean, we started going to church and was introduced to church that I always thought of him as a father figure. And I don't know, because by the time we were going to church, my dad was already living in Florida. I, I don't know. And it could just be the fact that we call him father, that it just always clicked in my head that I always saw him as a paternal outlet. So I must have just been a little bit more hard-headed. It just... I, but the thing, too, is I always thought of him as the paternal outlet, but at the same time, I carry a lot of guilt. So I'm very—I was that child when I'm in my relationship with God, and if I got in trouble for something, I'm like, well, you deserve it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I think I had that level of maturity in my relationship with God growing up where I'm like—and it could be that I watched Full House all the time, and Danny Tanner was, like I said, fair but firm. <laughs> and I just always thought of God like that. I was like— you. Which is not necessarily a good way of thinking because it's not always if something bad happens to you, well, you must deserve it. It just might be circumstance. I think I always thought anything bad was like I'm – and I think that's where that old world mentality of where we talked about one time in a couple episodes ago where people thought that if something bad happened to you, well, you must have done something wrong. Right. And I think I had that mentality a lot of the time of, well, God's punishing me because I did something wrong. And God doesn't do that. No, it's he not, doesn't. He's not going to cause me to have a nasty car wreck because I did something wrong or I, you know. Right. He's not. He's very, he's a very loving father. And yes. It's, it's funny because I was thinking yesterday when I went to dad's grave, mm -hmm. like I take a couple of minutes and I talk to him and it depends on the year. It varies year by year on how I feel. But it really wasn't until yesterday that I went and I was like, you know what? I like, I don't know. Like he wasn't here. He didn't watch me grow up. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't here for any of the stuff that I did or anything that I've gone through. But God has been, God's been with me through everything to where it made me realize more and more how much of a father God is. And when I think back about my life and everything that I've been through and how much he's brought me through, it's the best father figure you could ever have. And that, to me, it goes back to acceptance. I'm like, yeah. what is it? When I think of, I'm sure, the trials that Riley go through, the trials that Reagan goes through, what is it that hurts them so deeply about it? Like with me, what hurts you? What hurts me so deeply about the lack of a father figure in my life? And I think that's what it is. I'm like, it's that acceptance. It's the, you didn't see me when I, I mean, my dad's never seen any of my school performances. He did not see me when the first time I got a role in a play. He did not see me any of the times that I was in band. He never got to see any of that. Like the only school function my dad ever saw was my graduation. Right. So to me, I'm wondering, I, I mean, I constantly wonder, I'm like, is that what it's missing? Like, am I that upset and hurt by it because it's the acceptance of my earthly father that I'm missing? Not that he didn't say, hey, I'm proud of you or anything like that. It's, I think I'm more, I think a lot of people more in the fact that you missed it. And that's one thing I tried to instill in Riley when she started getting older. Oh, yeah. Is telling my daughter, it's his loss, not yours. Right. Like, he's going to have to be the one at the end of his, like, her father at the end of his life. And when he's, you know, before God, you know, judgment day for him, that's his battle that he's going to have to bring to God. And constantly, I'm like, it's not going to be Riley at the, I mean, in a sense, yes. But at the end of the day, I'm like, my achievements are still there. God was still there when he seen my right. achievements. God helped me through everything. God had constantly been there. So now that I'm, you know, older, a little more mature, when I look at it, I'm like, what what really is hurting me? Nothing. Yeah. I said it might be something that I'm sure my dad might struggle with is that he didn't get to see any of that stuff. And I used to tell Riley that all the time. She used to not tell me things about school. I remember one time I was so mad at her because she had one of her art pieces. Oh, in yeah art competition and she didn't tell me about it so i didn't get to see it and i told her i mean i was very angry with her she's like it's no big deal i'm like it's no big deal to you it's a huge deal to me right because for me as a parent 
I was never going to get to see that again. And I never would see that. And I said, it's not like I have 17 kids down the line. I mean, right. especially for her being the only child, I'm like, that was my one shot. And I said, so that'll be something that I regret missing. And we're, I mean, we were a very supportive family. So we go to functions mm-hmm. for our nieces and, you know, stuff like that to be there and be supportive for them. So, yeah, when you miss out on things like that and it might seem like not a big deal to her, but it is for, I don't have any kids, but it is for me at the end of the day. I want to, I want to be there. I want to experience those things, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but I want to be there to show them that they have support. Mm-hmm. And that's too something I try to, when we talk about a fatherless generation is to reiterate, I constantly try and tell my daughter, she has it pretty good in comparison. Oh yeah. I'm like you have great aunts, you have a great grandfather, a great, I said you have two grandmothers. Yeah. I mean, even if you take out the lack of support from her paternal side, she has a ton of support from her maternal side that I don't think it's ever an issue. And nothing ever can replace because I think constantly, especially girls, are constantly looking for that. Because at some point they say, I mean, think about it. They say you end up marrying your father. That's Mm -hmm. who women look for. That's the first man that they ever loved was is their father. And so you're constantly, I think, when you grow up, and you're thinking about getting married and having children is you're looking for something that's familiar to you. And I think that's why there's a lot of times a vicious cycle that happens for some women. Well, you're filling that void mm-hmm. with what causes the void in the beginning. Yeah. And it's and I'm and that's the thing. I think I got very lucky. But how many times do I tell you it weirds me out that RJ is very much like my dad? <laughs> it's really it funny. It me out a lot of the times. It when they really get funny. together, it's even worse. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But in a good way. Yeah, it's, it's, a, good, a, good it's a good way. It's a good way. Your dad's he's very goofy. He's quite he's, the character. He's fun to be around, that's for sure. Quite the character. But I mean, that's really all I have. I don't Yeah. I mean, hopefully it felt a little bit, you know, I know there's a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of adults, a lot of people that still struggle with this. I mean, talk to any therapist, I'm sure it all starts with it all starts with your parents. I constantly worry about that with my own daughter. She's gonna end up in therapy and it's gonna be all my fault. <laughs> but not to make this like a super depressing episode, but if you are a, a dad or a man out there who does listen to our podcast, like we encourage you to be that the Godhead of anybody who needs you is life. Be, let, let God shine through you yes. to maybe any child that God might be calling to you. Be a good role model. Moment. Yeah, to be a good role model. And it's also, we want it to be uplifting for the dads. Like, thank you for the dads that are there yes. working, hanging out, I mean, hanging around, doing what God, I mean, trying to do God's work is basically what you are, which it is. And for the know, ones out there with the multiple children, more power to you. More power to you. But just, you just got to remember to keep, keep God at the center. At the like, center. he's got to be the focus of everything and everything will fall into place as long as he is. And for the fatherless, remember, you're never fatherless. You're not. One day we're all going to get to hug Jesus. And that's that's the perfect way to end this one, Kendall, is that one day we're all going to meet our father. Yep. And you'll never, ever be without a father. That's right. So <laughs> Jesus loves a sinner. Jesus does love a sinner. Please email us at livinglifelegit7 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, living underscore life underscore legit. Um, I lost... The Facebook page when I lost my Facebook. Face, get everybody get off Facebook. It's Thieves. just hacked. People if, took it. I was so mad. If you're looking at anything and it looks as though Kendall's trying to sell you a Yorkie puppy, she is not in fact Guys, selling you a Yorkie puppy. I am not. I don't. I don't do that. 
even even when I looked at that post when it came up and I was like, I don't even write like that. Like, I really hope my friends know me better than this. Everybody on my Facebook is like, I haven't probably talked to them in 23 years. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, we anyway. every week. <laughs> Happy uh, Father's Day to all the fathers out Happy there. Happy Father's Day. And we will see you at the end of the month with. It's going to be a deep one. It is. We're going to put a parental warning right now. Maybe don't necessarily if your kids listen. Maybe listen to it first. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good. You, you listen and decide. Yeah. Wink, wink, Amanda. Amanda, our sister. All right. Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. guys.